This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Missed Apex Podcast. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready, and I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Trumpets. How's it going, Matt? It's going pretty well. You know, it's been an interesting 24 hours, and I'm not going to say any more about this at all, but go look up Ricardo Divola, Motorsport Magazine, Race Car Engineering, and read one of his columns for me. That's all I'm going to say. Yes, you won't be disappointed. Uh, How's it going for you, Matt? We're back in the shed for a normal F1 news show. Uh, We've got a few quiz questions coming up as well. And we're going to explore F1 media, some of the recent changes in the rules. Uh, We've got an hour of F1 chatty goodness ahead. I'm looking forward to it. If I'm being honest, it's nice to be sort of back on task, have a specific pointed direction that we're going in. And I do need to say there's nothing better than spending 45 minutes working on my audio only to be told sounds fine when I log on. Oh, wow. You've gone full podcast wife this evening. You said, how does my audio sound? And there was nothing bad. So I said it it sounded fine. That is the equivalent of your wife coming home from the hairdressers and saying, notice something different. Oh, have you put makeup on frying pan over the head? That's that's the territory we're in, Matt. Yes. Well, I've been working very hard on the tiny marginal gain, so I'm not surprised. but. Anyway, well, we can hear you. You're clear. And I've not had to ask you about your noise gate, which is the first item on the Missed Apex livestream bingo provided to us by patron John M. Have you have you caught that? Matt? I've put it in the show notes for you. I have caught it and I absolutely love it. It is genius. And I hope everybody plays every week. Right. So let's uh, let's just address a few of these. It's horrible when someone shines the mirror on you like this and you go, oh, yeah, no, I I definitely do do that a lot. Uh, Spanners tells Trumpets to adjust his noise gate is first. Uh, Trumpets gets distracted by the chat room is uh, is next is a good one as well. 
Uh, sorry, I was distracted by the chat room. Hey, dad jokes for the win. Uh, children are evil, and that could be from either of us. It's not evil, terrible. They're well-intentioned, Just they're just horrible human beings to have to deal with. Trumpets asks a five-part question. I love that. Spanners and or Trumpets fails to understand American or British culture. Uh, Spanners uses the bumpers to change the subject. Yeah, anyway, enough of the bingo. Uh, let's move on, Matt. Let's move on. We'll post the full, uh, the full uh, Missed Apex bingo on, I don't know, Twitter, something like that. Why don't you pop it in the chat room, Matt, so that people can play along? I don't actually know if you can put photos in the chat room. So we'll see. Well, Matt figures that out. Let me tell you that we are an independent podcast produced in the podcasting shed with the kind permission of our better halves. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong. But we're first. Uh, I'm also joined in the shed by PR man, former journalist and all round fault font of motorsport news knowledge. And that's why we bring you here. It's Chris Stevens. How, how's it going, Chris? I am the fault of motorsport news for sure. The big fault at the moment actually is my lockdown hair, which I can't work out what to do with, whether I should, whether I should just admit and sh- shave it. No, you should not shave your head. You can only get away with that if you're very attractive. I look fantastic with a shaved head. You would look very ill. I would say you that mop yeah. of hair is the only thing keeping you in the dating game. Thanks. It's okay. Look, I don't feel sad just because I'm insinuating that if you shaved your head, you would die alone. That's, I don't think that you should take offense by I'm, I'm not looking forward to the idea of shaving my head, which is why I'm considering just having a front man bun. Well, on the live stream, as you can see, I've gone for the full, like, 1980s school photo, comb over to the side, because I, too, don't know what to do with it either. I'm definitely developing a little mullet at the back. But do you know what? My wife is used to it. She's not gonna, she's not gonna go out and cheat on me during lockdown, is she? There's literally nowhere to go. <laughs> I'm her best option. Literally her only option. I'm just gonna let it go all shaggy and messy. Someone who's never shaggy and messy because it's on purpose and he's got a beard and he chooses to have a beard that he looks like that all the time. That is not a lockdown look. Making his debut on Missed Apex podcast. It's the podcaster from the podcast called What Are Books and Why Are They So Heavy? Nick Alexander. How's it going, Nick? Thank you so much for that kind introduction. The name of the podcast is actually What's It About? Uh, you can find that at whatsitaboutpodcast.com. And I just have to ask, can I intentionally like do bingo square things or am I supposed to pretend I haven't seen the square? Because I have gone for a run recently. Oh, which one are you pointing to then on, on this Mr. Apex bingo? Somebody mentioned going for a run. Is that on there? Yes. It's <laughs> on the bottom middle. <laughs> if you don't, if you don't mention it, then, you know, does it, is it real? Does it count? That's, that's, that's the, that, if you don't post it on Facebook, just like if you don't post on Facebook, you bringing food to your nan during lockdown, does it really count? I don't think so. It's the same in running. That's for sure. Fantastic. Well, we'll be playing Miss Apex Bingo, but also talking about some big, dirty news. Big, dirty news. Well, like I said, Matt, we we do have quite a lot coming up. And I have to say, on Thursday, I had a thought to myself and I thought, you know, what's there's not really much going on. You know, what are we going to talk about? But as usual, yeah, I know, Matt pulls the face of like, what are you on about? There's tons to talk about. And there is, there always is. 
But I also want to uh, divert us onto some other topics because just constantly talking about so. When are we going to do F1 races again? Uh, we'll get old pretty quickly, but there's loads of little side topics and debates that we want to have during the regular season, but we always run out of time. We always run out of time. Uh, one of which is actually the state of Formula One media and the way we access news has always been of particular fascination to me, Matt. Um, and I know that this, this kind of thread fell out talking about Ferrari and, uh, and what Ferrari have been doing. Right. So Ferrari stole focus, as we like to say in the movie game, which I am now a part of, thanks to editing two whole videos for my daughter. Sorry, Steve, but she was refusing to spend anything and I couldn't insult you by asking on her behalf. And <laughs> it started off with an article in The Guardian saying Ferrari was threatening to quit yet again, all over deja vu like over the cost cap, which no one agreed to uh, at the last big budget meeting. Wait and a minute. Ferrari has was- threatened to quit. Well, that would, that would radically change our sport forever. We should take this very seriously and all start panicking. Maybe, maybe this is the end of F1 as we know it. Yeah, no. Because it turns out that they weren't threatening to quit at all. Um, and there was a follow up article rapidly published in which Bonato said to clarify, if the budget cap becomes too severe, we would look at other competitions in addition to F1. So we don't have to fire any of our skilled workers. I mean, that's literally what he said. And if you go read the quotes from the original article in The Guardian, that's more or less exactly what he said. So raising the fun question, was this purposefully misunderstood for clickbait purposes or was it like, well, you know, we've heard Bonato talk. It could be easy to kind of get the wrong idea from him. I don't really know, but I do know that the headline writers and the article writers aren't the same people. So if I, my job was to sell eyeball clicks, then I might purposefully want to misunderstand that particular quote. So with clickbait, I always think it depends on uh, who who wrote it, um, because I, I don't think every publication went with this whole idea. But then a lot of publications responded to uh, the, uh, the the misinformation, um, as it were. There is also uh, sometimes there is a, there are cases of just kind of either either mistranslation or, or misunderstanding things. Um, especially, you know, I mean, we're, we're dealing with, you know, an Italian team, uh, presumably talking to English, um, media. It, it, it does happen. Um, I've had to, you know, go and get things clarified when I couldn't, you know, quite make out, uh, certain things in, in interviews I had done. So, um, I, I won't, I won't be the, the pessimist and say, oh, it was all, um, intentional, but you, it can, it can happen by mistake. It was probably intentional though, Nick. <laughs> I think that if Ferrari left, you would be sad. I think Ferrari are the team you love to hate, which I don't think Amanda Weaver references are a bingo square, but they should be. And <laughs> I, I, I don't know that I believe Bonato when he says that if there was an overly restrictive cost cap that he would look to compete in other motorsports. I just, I, I know he can't get up there and say that he's just going to lay off half of his people. You, you just can't say that, but I kind of suspect that's what would actually happen. There's no way that for how much you have to pay these highly, highly talented people that it w- it could always automatically make economic sense to put them in something like the World Endurance Championship where the incoming revenue just is not going to compensate. Well, the, well, the reason manufacturers love things like WEC and GT racing so much is because it's their, you know, it's their road car that's, that's there. 
um, in the in the GTE and the GT3 classes, it's their car that's been put into race spec. There's a great advert for the you know specific models that they use. Obviously, once you start getting into the prototype stuff, you start losing a bit of that road relevancy unless you could start getting into hybrid territory. But with you know Ferrari leaving, I would be sad for a little bit, and then I get over it in the same way that I was sad when Barrichello left F1 and when Button left F1 and when Schumacher left F1. But then you just kind of get on with it, and you're like, oh yeah, I remember when when they were in it. That was good. Um. Yeah, I mean, I don't watch the World Endurance Championship all that much since Porsche left, but correct me if I'm wrong, Ferrari already in it. So you're not talking about going and entering. You're talking about throwing a bunch more new resources on top of the ones that you already have. I just, I don't, it doesn't track for me. Uh, I, if correct me if I'm wrong, but that is a customer team. There isn't a works Ferrari entry in WEC or in GT3. That's correct. They they are customer teams. Ferrari runs a lot of customer teams. The interesting thing about Ferrari is that they are by far the strongest brand in the world. So they make all of their juice with marketing and with brand strength. So I actually wouldn't be surprised, given the size of their sporting division compared to the rest of their division, if they weren't able to simply float running some factory efforts in, say, IndyCar or IMSA. Or even back to World Endurance Championship and uh, and the what you said the GT threes or whatever the whatever the top sports car class is because they don't want to lose any of their skilled workers and they ha- they can afford to keep them and they have as they are one of the few teams that still have their full staff working and are being paid in full by Ferrari they haven't furloughed anyone and and they've kept on going i mean you know absent the obvious regulatory shutdowns that they are required to endure also it, the ferrari used to years ago su- supply uh, like uh, spec engines or customer engines to certain series like um they did the a1gp uh, engine back in the um back in the late 2000s um and uh, they well they don't do that anymore so there's there's you know room for them to to Try something like that again, I guess. Just a final thought. We've talked about the plummeting car sales worldwide in March. Car sales in the U.S. were down about 55%. I'll be very interested to see what those numbers look like at the end of April. But I have to wonder uh, how the numbers are going to pan out for Ferrari in particular, because Ferraris are not really representative of automobiles in general. They're just at such a different price point. I wonder if people are going to buy fewer Ferraris, sure, but not as many fewer as with, say, Hondas. I think their stock has retained an awful lot of value relative to every other car manufacturer out there, if my research for today's show is correctly remembered. And I wasn't thinking about an article from, say, 2018 that I ran across. But you bring up an interesting point about customer cars, because Ferrari is not the only person on about that. Did you know that Christian Horner in addition to being a big fan of the two-tier cost cap, thinks that the real solution to Formula One's problem would be just, oh, let us make cars for everyone and we'll just sell them to those small teams that just, you know, they're just having a hard time. And we do, we feel so sorry for them. Is it not surprising at all that the uh, the team principal of the team that does the closest thing that to customer cars that Formula One currently has i.e. just passing their parts on to Toro Rosso, is interested in a customer car's idea. Uh, Sorry, the closest thing 
to a customer team is who is Toro, Toro Rosso. Rosso. Not the not the not the racing point that turned up the testing with exactly the same car as Mercedes last year. Ah, uh, well, yeah, but that's only that's a, like the first time they've done it. Toro Rosso have been doing it since they came about. Mark Greenhow in the chat says that he is going to have to cut back and only purchase three Ferraris this year. So, a moment of silence <laughs> for Mark. You can you can you can get through this, Mark. Um, thank you, Mark. Mark Greenhow was one of our first ever callers, Matt to our live stream remain indoors we took live calls just like a radio show like a proper radio show and everything matt and it was brilliant and mark was there being all northern it was brilliant it was and i loved his story of his at-home accident with the potato you liked the story of how he burnt his face wow okay that's mean i wasn't going to go down that route i wish you all the best uh mark i never got to answer nick though when he said i would miss ferrari i think it's I think it's ridiculous when people say, you can like Ferrari. I mean, like Ferrari all you want, but it's ridiculous to say that somehow F1 couldn't continue exactly the same without them. I think Chris more or less got there with, you'd be a bit sad, but it's exactly the same people. If another team came in and filled Ferrari's boots, who do you think they would look to hire? All the people that Ferrari had just had to let go. So you'd have the same drivers, you'd have the same team principals, engineers would be around the team. All that you would be missing is a name and a brand. And if you're if you're that loyal to a brand, then, you know, over like just F1, Nick, I think you're either delusional or you're just, you're lying. Because there's no way you love Ferrari only and you don't like F1 to the point where if Ferrari left and went to WEC, you would watch WEC instead of Formula One. I think if people had to actually make good on that if ferrari just moved to whack people would still watch f1 yeah i i think you're right i certainly haven't met anybody who watches f1 because of ferrari and supports like threatening to leave the sport all the time in terms of wild speculation i bet you if ferrari left the sport that fettel would retire i don't think that he would go drive somewhere else thanks for pronouncing that correctly nick because you know how keen I am on pronunciation. Sorry, pronunciations. Um, Fettel is indeed the correct. So the correct way to say that uh, before anyone corrects me on my Ricciardo pronunciation, be sure you are saying Fettel um, because otherwise that's the email re- response you'll get. Matt. I just don't know. I mean, everyone's like, oh, Ferrari goes, we'll keep on watching Formula One. Yeah, we will keep on watching Formula One. I don't think Ferrari was threatening to leave at all based on the story that I read and the response to it. So I, I do want to make of that course, clear. Of course, yeah. But if we were to you know, speculate before we get back to the rest of the customer car story about what might happen if Ferrari left... It was a media I story. I know, you're surprised I remembered something. <laughs> I said we were starting talking about media, then we've gone to uh, what would happen if Ferrari left. Nothing, we'd be fine. Uh, and, uh, and then we went to customer teams, which is fine. So which tangent... This is tangent four... So before we get back to tangent three, uh, what was it you're going to say? Well, what I wanted to say was, I don't think anyone, I mean, you say a lot of the same people would get hired. Yeah, if a new team came in, they probably would. But they I don't did, see yeah. anyone in this current landscape coming in with that kind of a budget. So you would be losing of the three top teams, which is one of the reasons why it's kind of interesting to watch right now. I don't see any but two left over. Oh, okay, okay, okay. But but you're being very specific to this very specific era and time. Uh, you Correct. Know, presumably, in a couple of years, we've got the cost cap and it works fantastically well. And it means that new manufacturers definitely want to come in 
because of the increasing amount of customer team philosophies that are out there in F1. And increasingly, they will be able to come in and buy a chassis, buy a gearbox. I think they still, they already can uh, buy a old spec car. So, you know, in a regulation period, you could say, all right, you're allowed to buy a car that's a year old with the upgrades needed to make it match the slight incremental regulation. So cost cap combined with customer cars means that, yes, you could get teams coming in. So let's not get all doom and gloom when we say, oh, if Ferrari dropped out, there'd be no teams left in F1, right? Because there has not been a time in F1, as far as I can remember, as far as I've been alive, where a team has dropped out and just no other teams have ever joined F1. Teams join F1 all the time throughout history, uh, maybe slightly less so because the prices have got out of hand. But I believe there's something coming in to try and fix that. Cost cap, and they're now kind of looking the other way when it comes to customer teams, Matt. Is that fair? I think in a time before they would, they, the powers that be, would clamp down and go, oh, hang on a minute, that Toro Rosso, that Haas engineer, I saw him at Maranello. You know, they, you know we were even looking at suspicion with the Haas Ferrari model. Whereas now, I just don't think that that they, there is that same level of concern. They might not have come out and declared, oh, you're allowed to sell your 2019 car to Racing Point. They might not have said it, but they they are complicit with it. I, and I think F1 is changing. Okay, so let's dive into that very thorny subject. Um, first of all, with regards to teams, we used to have more than 10 teams in Formula 1. So yeah, teams do go away and don't come back. I would just make that point in yes, my yes, memory. But, but we've never got to the point where so many teams left and like none came in to fill that space and they just let Formula One die. Like that hasn't happened in, yeah. what are we, 70 years on? So we've they found a way so far. So it's unlikely to think that one team leaving would be the catalyst for the death of F1. No, I don't think it would be the catalyst, but I think you would be losing a front-running team and whoever came in to replace them, assuming someone did, would not be at that level. Because as the small teams who've come in have shown, it's very difficult, even if you have a pre-existing structure, to come in and take it over and continue running. Under the current regulations, that Under is Under the current true. regulations. Yeah. yeah. Now, you want to talk about customer teams. It's interesting that Horner brings up, he loves the idea of saving the small teams by selling them year-old Red Bulls, with Honda engines, no doubt. Uh, but the smaller teams are not necessarily as enthralled with this. Uh, Gunther Steiner, in particular, he was talking to Ziggo Sport. Um, and he said, frankly, our this year's car would be faster than last year's Ferrari. And it's simply a way that the big teams are trying to use. To con- now that there's a budget cap being talked about, it's another way for the big teams to try and control us so that we can't really be competitive with them. Right. So you remember when we talked about all the engine stuff, a la Lotus at Spa and Mercedes suddenly said, hey, you know, you can get like X more horsepower if you just switch this and this and this the blue button like, you never you never told us this anyway well imagine that but for the whole car there would be so much control but i do take issue with steiner's statement that that car is going to be quicker than last year's ferrari because what's the if you would maybe take an average what a car gets quicker by about a second year, year on year they're saying that the racing point is about one second than the mercedes um, just based on testing. So that is a rough estimate, it must be said. Um, um, but what's the gap between the top teams and the midfield? About two and a half seconds in qualifying. 
So you've made a, a, a jump already. But then again, the control thing. So you'll get to that one second. You'll never get any closer. Right. So part of me just wants to spend the entire show trying to get as many bingo squares as I can. But unfortunately, <laughs> most of them are written about Matt and Spanner. So we're going to need a point of order. going to need everyone in the chat room to let me know if, if can I correct Chris's pronunciation? Will that still count? Because it is <laughs> Steiner. Um, and I think that it is just, I don't know. It kind of seems like maybe PR marketing bluster making this claim that you're so great. You're faster than the Ferrari. And it's like, how do you, you prove it? You really, really cannot prove that, uh, statement right now with no cars on track. Okay. So with 10 cars, uh, on track with 10 teams on track, they're all right now on paper trying to be world champions. So McLaren, who were generally fourth, fifth best team. They are on paper, they're in the title hunt. That is their ambition, is to go in there and win the title. But that hasn't been the the case in F1 all the time. So you've had privateer teams come in because they want to compete in F1, because they want to go racing, because they want to come up from lower tiers of racing and go and have a go in Formula One. And if if buying a customer team, if buying a year-old Red Bull gets you on the grid, and getting you on the grid means... I can now train up my engineers and they get a year's experience in F1 in a car that isn't dangerous, that isn't Williams levels off the back of the grid, uh, but is kind of up there uh, and we can sneak a good midfield result. A point would be like winning the world championship. Then the next year, they've got a garage full of experienced engineers, a little bit of prize money, and they go, do you know what? We will buy the one-year-old Red Bull again, but you know what? We've learned a thing or two about rear wing. So now we're going to do this thing to our rear wing and it's incremental and you work your way up the grid. But if you don't bring fresh teams in, then you're never going to get, get a healthy, a healthy competition up at the top. So I want, I want 15 teams. I want 30 car grids. I want, uh, customer teams. I want three car teams as well. Let's have 50, let's have 40 car grids, Matt, at, at Silverstone because, you know, as we learned from iRacing, that doesn't result in carnage at all at the Missed Apex Racing event. Yeah, I I love the idea, but you said two words that that made me pause. I said more than that. I said, oh, that made you pause. Okay. That made me pause. Those words were prize money. Right now, only 10 teams get prize money. And the reason only 10 teams get prize money is because Formula One only makes so much money per year. And there's only so many ways you can divide it and have a healthy ecosystem of teams. Yeah, but Ferrari so, are going to leave any minute, which means they don't get a bigger chunk of the pay of the prize money, and we can share it out more evenly. It's it's an extra ten million a year over ten teams, and it would be uh, it would be half okay. that. It'd be five million a year if you had twenty teams, which I think would be too many. Most people would probably say twelve to fifteen would twelve. I think would be really maximum. Uh, but but the, there's not enough prize money. To go around, Formula One has yet to generate the revenue necessary to bring to say, okay, everybody in the sport. Now, if they had gone to a shareholder model or a medallion model, where if as a team you come in and you get a stake in the sport, then you would have something of value that was intrinsic apart from your results in the sport that you could borrow money against and use to finance your team. Maybe that would cause, maybe that would be a different financial model. That could be followed. And there, there are lots of possibilities, but as it's set up now, 
you're not really going to ever have more than 10 teams for long because the teams that don't finish in the top 10 are going to wind up gradually running out of money and selling off their assets to the next person who wants to lose all their money chasing their Formula One dream. Yeah, okay, but you've fallen into the trap again, which is, which is, right, that, that, no, you're saying, (laughs) oh, your suggested change can't work in this current model. That's like people who say, we can't go to electric cars because there's nowhere to charge them. And what would happen to the petrol stations? They'd just be empty petrol stations and nobody uh, being able to find a charging point. Well, yeah, obviously, you've got to change the infrastructure of how we power generate vehicles to have electric cars. In order for my vision of customer teams uh, pre-qualifying, as someone pointed out in the in the chat room. Hello, chat room, by the way. Um, uh, Missed Apex podcast on YouTube. You can actually watch us live and chat with us. For my vision, you would have to change that price structure. You would have to change how the money is divvied up. There's no use saying we can never make things better because things are rubbish now. So no, that shiny thing would look terrible in our rubbish house. So well, no, no, Nick, that's not what we do. We make the whole house nicer. Right. And I don't have all the details, but I believe Matt knows all the details. So we'll go to him. I believe they have changed the way they vote on rule changes so that now if they wanted to change that 10 to a 12, it could be done with a majority vote as opposed to a unanimous vote. So now if somebody like William said, no, we don't want to spread prize money out among 12 teams that perhaps it could still pass. Am I way off base? You are not way off base at all. And as soon as I make the point that the entire prize structure is based on overall revenue, so the real issue here is Formula One needs more revenue, then they can talk about enlarging the prize structure or giving teams more money or having a healthier sport. You're absolutely right. In fact, just this week, Ferrari, um, at the end of the Ferrari, uh, what, brouhaha? I didn't think of that as a B word when I was writing headlines for our show notes, but perhaps I should have. At the end of this Ferrari thing, it emerged that the FIA has voted on a rule change called the Safeguard Clause, um, 18.2.4 in the the International Sporting Code, for those of you who are playing along at home. Shorter notice periods than those mentioned above may be applied, provided that the unanimous agreement of all competitors properly entered, blah, blah, blah. However, in exceptional circumstances, and this is the bit that Nick was referencing, and if the FIA considers that the change in question is essential for the safeguarding of the championship. Those are the key words. A majority of competitors entered shall suffice. So yes, if they feel and state that the championship itself is at stake, then rule changes now are down to a simple majority. So the cost cap complaining, done. We don't need Ferrari. We don't need Red Bull. In fact, we only need six teams to say yes. And now we have a cost cap at $145 which is, I think, where certainly all the small teams would like it. I know McLaren wants smaller. But probably at least Mercedes might also be on board with that. Okay, not going to lie, didn't follow all of that a hundred percent. Are we still talking? Are we still talking about the bingo squares, or did we, did we move on? I blanked out a little bit. Uh, what what's what's the thrust of your point there, Matt? Uh, you're saying that if we want if we want customer teams, if we want uh, cost caps, it's going to be easier to push them through now. Yeah, essentially, if if it's determined to be that the championship might be at stake. Like at stake financially, at stake, we won't have a season. The FIA has reserved the right to to change rules with a simple majority of teams entered. So in other words, oh, uh, if they decide that without a $145 million cost cap, F1 will go under, then in fact, the only six teams have to vote yes, and it's done. If they need to change the calendar, 
six teams vote yes, it's done. If they have races without audiences, six teams, and it's done. The only qualification is essential for safeguarding of the championship. So if you're talking about customer teams, it might be a little harder to make that argument, but I think one might still be able to make it. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend, but what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science, with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Uh, just uh, had my attention caught in the live chat room there, I think, from, from Barry. Uh, actually, this is a nice tangent to go down. Um, from pre-qualifying. That's what, that's what they do, isn't it, Matt, in the chat? We, we say one thing, we move on to what we think is interesting. But actually, look, they've they've started talking about quali and pre-quali. It's like a little forum and community all by themselves. And uh, I've loved seeing the live chat grow. Barry says, does anyone have a new quali format idea? I'd love to see a shootout. Now, um, there was a lot of controversy when they tried to change the qualifying format to a kind of elimination format. They did it for one race, I think, in the end, didn't they, Chris? They did it for two. And then they uh, abandoned it. I have to say, Chris, the current qualifying format we've got now is pretty exciting. There is a slight jeopardy yes. for the top teams in Q1. And we get to actually focus in on a real battle between the slower cars. Uh, Q2, the only thing I don't like is I don't like the tyres being decided uh, in Q2. I think that needs to go away somehow. Um, yes. But yeah, but then there's a real prize in Q2 for getting into the top 10. And then the top 10 shootout is brilliant. But I mean, I, I grew up with, there was an hour qualifying, and I don't think it was even really intended as a spectator event. There was an hour qualifying, and you had to go out and set your best lap at some point in the hour, and nobody nobody went out. For 55 minutes, no one went out, because no one wanted to just spend money laying rubber down for other people. So qualifying was five minutes, and it was terrible. Current qualifying, Chris, is brilliant. Yeah, so they also tried an aggregate qualifying system where your two best laps combined did the grid. And I'm I'm not as huge a fan of that, to be honest. At the risk of sounding like a broken record from the last time we talked about, you know, the qualifying thing. Qualifying is fine right now. The format is perfect. The only thing I would change, like you said, is that Q2 tire rule. 
that's as far of one side of the fence as I think I've ever seen Chris. And I just have to agree wholeheartedly. I like quality. There's nothing to fix. So hard agree with the tire rule. In fact, I say get rid of the need to change tires at all. Let teams just do whatever they want. But as far as making it better, well, I would happily put forward this modest proposal that a tiny sip of whiskey in 10 seconds has put into my brain, which is that you start with our first quality session, one and done. You start with the number one team. They go first. You send everyone out at 30 second intervals and the top, uh, what is it? The top 15 go through. So the top 14 go through, and then everybody who didn't make it gets the last five minutes to go out on track at the same time and try and claim the last spot. Repeat and rinse for quality two, and then when you get to quality three, run it like it's been run. And I think that would be that might be a that might be a marginal improvement. That sounds complicated. Yeah, and How as is it complicated. As I didn't I didn't catch it. <laughs> would you like me to explain no, it again? No, look, in it's, slower words. It's literally on a slower. podcast. You can just wind it back. People can just wind it back. Uh, Nick, I was going to say it might be time to press a bumper and change the subject. <laughs> uh, yeah. Why not? Do you know what I'm going to do? I'm actually going to go one better, Matt, and I'm going to go to the original topic that we started on. All right. This is ridiculous. We started talking about media. We then went to Ferrari, then customer teams and something, something about rules and then qualifying. I wanted to talk about media. Okay. Oh, okay. Oh, right. Okay. I was expecting some kind of fight. I'm sorry. We've uh, we've spent seven years being incredibly uh, adversarial. Oh, come on. You know me. I'm going to wait for you to make your point, and then I'm going to go back and explain to Chris what my qualifying idea was first, and, and then, then I'll go back to your point. Then plug your wife's book, etc. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Uh, th- that reminds me of 1784 when I was driving in my old Pontiac thing, and then you had to change a tire for your wife or something. I've heard that story a few times. Uh, I like it. You can tell it again at the end of the show, Matt. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, right. So the Guardian printed what seemed to be a, a reasonable headline. And then obviously everybody then has to swarm around and try and get as many clicks as possible from that headline. So they rip the, the, the Bonotto says Ferrari are going to quit. And I think one of the key things, Chris, you must have experienced this submitting articles. And we are now experiencing this at Missed Apex Podcast is that the editor makes the title. So we have had a very, uh, very nice writer. I don't actually, I don't know if he's a nice person. His writing's good. He might be evil. I don't know. William Dodds uh, has been posting, as has uh, Michael as well. Uh, and we've got a few posts coming in from various people. Uh, I've always wanted MissedApexPodcast.com to be somewhere you could go for blogs, opinions and articles. I can't write. So if you're interested in writing for us and you have a little bit of, of writing experience and you want to help us grow grow it as a site, feel free. But the thing that's interesting, Chris, is that the guys who are already writers, so people who are already journalists who are giving us articles, they supply it without the title because I guess that is quite a common thing. And then like me and Felix have to come up with the title. So I always just do like Lewis Hamilton to quit F1. Oh, but it was about Kimi Raikkonen's sandwiches. Yeah, can I just can I just say first of all the reason I'm the resident writer, i.e. me, is is not doing the mistake takes things. It's just simply because I don't have time. So please don't make assumptions about that. Um, no, the thing, right? So if I were 
doing them for Mist Apex, for example, I would give you a title. I would even, I don't know, if, if for bigger publications, I would maybe even suggest a title. But it's down to the editor at the end of the day. That's how it works at the larger um, publications. So the mag reports that I was um, doing at the time, um, I would I would put a title in, a loose one, um, just to kind of help me formulate the first part of the article anyway. I found that was quite helpful to me. And then I just wouldn't get rid of it when I um, submitted it. So it was there, like, yeah, if you want it, uh, it's there, but, you know, you're the editor. You come up with a better one if you want. Yeah. So in short, uh, come and read some articles at mistapexpodcast.com. Um, yeah, do that. But yeah, so when, when you're picking a title, y- you are kind of, you are thinking about SEO, search yes. engine optimization. And that's something we've been working hard on, not to be good at, Chris, but we're just trying to learn, you know, what it is. So we're making sure that we've got relevant keywords where possible. We're writing about things that are trending and we're trying to work on improving our Google rankings. So the system is set up for people to to, to kind of game it in the way we see. Uh, uh, Nick, quickly then, Chris. Oh, I was just uh, reminded of something from my own book, co- book podcast that is extremely relevant. I'm not just trying to plug it. I won't even name it here. I'll, I'll I, name it for you. I, it's called Why Do Books Burn Very Slowly Podcast. That's what it's called. Yes. So... I had I had a question about the cover art on a book and I was actually in contact with the author and asked her why why is this picture on the cover of your book what is the significance what does it mean like what even is it I couldn't even make out the details and she said oh I don't know the publisher picked it oof chris yeah. so when I was doing search engine optimization at uh, another publication so yeah, things you're picking out are the, the the keywords. Your first paragraph needs to mention all those keywords. Try and mention um, as many of the words that are in your title in the first paragraph as well. So like, title should have uh, driver name if it's or team name, you know, whichever one it's about, or or circuit name, you know, which whatever's the the relevant thing. Series that you're talking about. Uh, if yeah. it's uh, if you write about multiple uh, championships, for example, and it, I see so many headlines that are, are just had a bad day in quote marks. And they're like, who had a bad day? What are you, what are you talking about? Also, the, the the headline should also not make me think, well, duh. Like you see a headline where it's like, Raikkonen disappointed after retirement. And like, well, obviously. Wait, Raikkonen retired? Wait, when did this happen? <laughs> uh, Nick, is that you? Are you? Oh no, are you adjusting your, I thought you you're adjusting your jacket. Sorry, I thought you were raising your hand to, to get my attention, um, which is what these publications are having to do to get our attention, uh, is to fire out SEO stuff. That's not bad. That's not a bad link. I should do this for a living. Um, I'll tell Tim you've <laughs> got him beat this time. Uh, Tim is coming on Remain Indoors podcast this week. Join us at 2 p.m. every Tuesday, Monday and Thursday during the lockdown. If we can build an audience, we'll keep it going after lockdown as well. It's a lot of fun. Uh, in the live chat it's me and matt and then we bring a guest on such as nick such as tim linden a radio person i used to dj with uh, such as lauren thomas uh, and our science guy andrew holding i love how you say tuesday monday thursday every time so did, did i just do it just wrong, then but you're consistent did i just do it just then you did why can't i say no it's monday tuesday thursday that's obviously the correct way to say it but 2 p.m uk time Come and join us. Subscribe to it on your podcatcher of choice. It's how me and Matt are keeping ourselves 
uh, sane. Uh, right, but the reason I'm, I'm really wanted to talk about this was I'm so curious about motorsport.com. I've never really understood what they are, uh, that, except that they are a Goliath uh, in motorsport sport media, and they hoovered up, Chris, so many of these small publications that we're talking about. It seemed like every everything that had any kind of reach they went and just bought it and they grabbed it and they bought it and they pulled it in. And then the result has been, in my opinion, a fairly uh, all things to all men, jack of all trades style publication. Obviously, they're not going for, uh, you know, it's, it's not a, a cult of personality, perhaps like, say, WTF1. They've gone for this, this just massive, strong arm, mass media approach. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not going to say everyone was pleased with it because they obviously weren't there are some people who made their thoughts on the situation very clear um but um i think the biggest kind of pull factor about it was just the sharing of resources um and i gotta say i love working with like other uh pr companies when it's relevant to just pool our interests and pool our resources in together and it just makes both of us better um but um before before i kind of get into that I should stress there's kind of a kind of a difference between motorsport.com and the motorsport network. Okay. Tell me that difference. So motorsport.com is basically the, I guess you call it the primary publication of the motorsport network, which is the overarching parent company that owns motorsport.com or the sport.com. What was formerly known as F1 racing magazine. Oh no, no, they sold that. Um, Anything else they bought um, during that time, the list of which, um, because there was the Giorgio Piola thing, motorsport images, you know, all that kind of thing. Right. And it, this is where it gets confusing, Matt, because, okay, so it's hard to know what is motorsport. Also, it's a very confusing title as well. I mean, it was clever to buy that that domain. But when you say, oh, it was in motorsport, uh, I find that a little confusing. But, you know, m- maybe we're just sitting here jealous because they've never made a bid to hostily take over the shed. Uh, but it's, it's a strange organization to wrap your head around and, and to know how credible a certain source is. Because obviously they've got a lot of top journalists as well, but the spread is huge. Well, the spread is huge. And uh, the Motorsport Network uh, came out of some previous companies that were owned and or run by a gentleman named Mike Zoy, who lives in Florida. At least, you know, as much as anyone with that kind of money lives anywhere, that's sort of where he's from. And he was a, he's a driver. He's been a gentleman driver. He, I think he may have done Le Mans and stuff like that. So he's always had an interest in motorsport. And he essentially took his previous business enterprises, uh, leveraged them, probably borrowed, uh, what would seem to be an inconceivable sum of money from a bank somewhere that was friendly with him and simply bought up the entire more or less, motorsport journalism ecosystem. And up until this year, that had been a winning strategy for him in terms of compressing things. I don't think it's worked out necessarily as well for a lot of journalists who were trying to make a career. And we can ask Chris about that uh, because the I know there, there was a contraction in press passes, like autosport and motorsport were now owned by the same people. They didn't get they only got the, they, you know, each had six. Now they had six for both publications. This is sort of what happened. So it became actually harder for a lot of people to go to events and to actually cover things. 
uh, that's where the the kind of pooling of resources happen because you'll notice there's very similar stories on both publications. They both still have their unique selling points. For example, Autosport is a massive brand in the UK. It's the country's biggest motorsport um, publication, and so that's where you go for things like UK National um, stuff and you know series that are more relevant to the UK. Autosport is not focusing a lot on GT racing, for example, or IMSA and other sports car stuff. Um, the, their primary sports car stuff is you know, the World Endurance Championship, and they do a phenomenal uh, job with it. But that's where you start to see the more um, unique things kind of uh, coming through on both uh, publications. Uh, but I would say, you know, anything that is decent was had an interest from the <gasps> Motorsport Network. We must be way crap. So hold on, hold on, hold on. Are you saying we're not decent? Because yeah. uh, we may have to talk. When I say decent, I mean well, you know, well renowned, well regarded by like everyone. We're where not well it's like, no, no, again, on. this is oh, this is like on. shovel Gosh. hole. This yeah. is <laughs> because I don't think there's too many people interested in podcasts, especially when all those publications kind of have their own podcast anyway. So the problem is not us; it's the format we're on, unfortunately. Um, and I will, you know, I know Spanish has a big issue um, with that, and he's the man waging the war on media against podcasts. Um, but um, for for me, yeah, if, if you're reading something by a, a motorsport network owned site, then you can you can trust it. You're like top three things of publications you can trust for good stories is motorsport, autosport, the race, and uh, I'll think of some other ones. Race car engineering. Oh yeah, yeah. They're more uh, like been- features. They're more like features. If you if you want like news, then then those ones. Vincent Vanderhoek in the chat saying Chris digging a deeper hole and Michael Dieselhoff. So next week, the chair is back, I assume. I don't understand that. Really? Next week, the chair is back. It was your yeah, an, empty, an empty chair in lieu of Chris. Oh, you want me to remember a, a visual gag from, about my from 18 months ago? Oh, no. Okay, fair enough. All right. This just puts everything into so much context because you will tell Matt, like, oh, you're going to hold that against me from so long ago. It was probably like last week, whatever. I, uh, oh, sorry. Can I just add Racer and um, to, to my list of uh, ones that are, that are good and Crash.net? They're also reliable. Yeah, I was going to just say, speaking of the chat room, Stuart Neal brings up the very appropriately Grand Prix Plus magazine that Joe Saywood puts out. Oh, and, of course. And I believe that there were certain publications and people that were never going to be interested in the kind of deal that the Motorsport Network was offering them. And uh, But we get some of our best and most interesting reporting because of that. Yeah, Chris, you've... Basically, just hope no one, no one listens to this episode because you've left out loads of really, really good. I have, publications. and I'm, I'm really sorry. <laughs> I, I don't have a list of them like in front of me right now. Well, don't worry, no one will listen to us because we're not decent and we're not no. of good repute, apparently. So that's fine. Um, some really interesting uh, ones, though, mentioned there, like the race has has popped out of nowhere and like wholesale just come in on mass with money experience uh good people and just gone oh by the way we're a thing and apart from a really weird choice of title like oh the race oh oh it was in the race oh what the race from the weekend no 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 the race the website what there's a the website called the race no it's called we we are the race right okay so we are it's really weird and also like the connotations to like you know 
race, as in of pe- of human. It's just it really it's a weird title. Apart from that, they seem to be nailing everything else. Okay, I think that last one might be looking at it a little too hard. No, um, it's on the nose. That's like the first thing okay. that popped into everyone's head. <laughs> okay, I'll back you up and say uh, great people who who work on that. The problem I think you have at, at this point in time is that there are just so many uh, new publications have cropped up in the age of internet um, journalism. Um, some are obviously um, better than others. Um, but the, the, there's just like, there's no names left. It's like if you try to come up with a gamer tag now on Xbox, like you, there are no good ones left. So you just end up with a bunch of random numbers and letters. Or underscores, which as we know are the worst thing ever. Yeah. yeah so the race is interesting. Uh, the race is what happens when you're not winning the Golden Boy um, award at the Motorsport Network, which owns literally everything else. There's opportunities and in this case, uh, the race is owned by Torque Esports, I believe they are called. Uh, and what's interesting about Torque Esports is they're an esports company. It's a huge growing field. We all know because we've all been watching the sim racing or we've been doing the sim racing and spending way more money than we've been telling our spouses on tracks and cars. Not me. I promise. Not me. And uh, they're actually owned. They're the, the, of the four people listed on the website, uh, two of them, David Nadal and Jean-Yves Geoffroy, are co-founders of Eden Games. So Torque Esports is the other side of a games company, of a gaming company, Eden Games. And then that makes a lot of sense because now I have a company that sponsors tournaments that will no doubt feature my games. And then they saw an opportunity with motorsports games and they said, hey, look, here's a bunch of people who don't have enough work. We have more than enough money. Let's just put a top-notch publication together, let it be a loss leader, and also effectively function kind of as publicity for everything else we are doing. So as long as they're willing to pay, because the, the because getting the money from ads, we all know, is difficult. Yes. As long as they're I'll willing to pay, to that, yeah. you've got a top-notch and some of the best writers in the business uh, working for them right now. Who were the first people, as soon as like lockdown happened in the UK, the first people to start putting on massive esports events with the top names? In, in top games and doing good streams for it with proper commentators. It was the race. With talk esports. Yeah. Yeah. But who was the but the race was like the title sponsor. It was the race esports or, or Yeah, no, it was it was it was the e race, yeah. It was the race. Yeah. Oh, you mean the publication the race. Yeah, again, just doesn't it oh, doesn't whatever. work. It's not too late to change it. That's all I'm saying. Fans of what they're doing, not too late to change it. Of course, though, um, they all have to, you mentioned podcasting there, um, so I can't not weigh in. Uh, firstly, go and check out our iRacing videos. We did our own offering, and I have to say that because of Steve Amy, our video guy, who was on uh, two weeks ago here, because of Steve, we have video production on our event, on our Formula Renault events, that, that rivals all the streams that are out there that you're watching. And I, I have no word of a lie, like it's a genuine rival to all those things. What we're lacking is the names to get people to care about, you know, the, to care about who's in it. But if you want to see myself, Trumpets, Kyle Power, Alex Van Jean, uh, Bradley Philpot, all racing against each other in these sims, and it is a proper sim, eye racing. Uh, there's quite a bit of carnage in the first race as well. Um, it's, ac- it's action packed. Go and check it out. If you're a fan of the e-racing offerings and you like Missed Apex, that might be worth uh, checking out as a viewing thing. Search for Motorsport, Missed Apex Motorsport, Missed Apex Motorsport 
on YouTube. Go check that out. Big thanks to Chris, uh, uh, to Steve, and to Chris and Catman for doing the commentary, which also added to it as a as a spectator event. Uh, having Chris, who was a, a very decent commentator, uh, and Chris Stevens also helping Chris Catman turn her out, uh, it really did make it come together. I love it. It's so much fun. Like the the races are genuinely great. There there is a a story behind um, each of them, and uh, there's actually like a really great battle in the championship sort of brewing um up so uh, we'll see how that unfolds over the next few weeks yeah because i'm two places ahead of spanners right oh, now it oh hurts. yes it hurts so much oh matt enjoy it this is the first time you've been ahead of me in the championship and i have True. to say incre- i had i had i had an error which dropped me down 10 places in the championship which i'm still sore about three days later but it's not a fluke that you're up there in the championship matt You've sat and practiced and you're a very decent racer. But before two years ago, you'd not even stepped in a go-kart before. Uh, now you're incredibly competent in a go-kart and very genuinely competitive in the Sims. So whilst through gritted teeth, I begrudgingly congratulate you on your championship position. Enjoy it now because it ain't lasting, bub. I'm coming back stronger than ever. Charlotte Roval, two weeks time. Can't wait. <laughs> it's on, Nick. An anecdote, I once saw school buses race at the Charlotte Roval, and it was as fun as it sounds, if not more fun, with actual uh, school teacher drivers. Oh, Just yes. Awesome. Yes. Did they have like little baby kids strapped in too, like dummies? Uh, no, like but they- Like little kid dummies to bounce around in the thing? No, but they let kids uh, spray paint the bus and decorate it with their schools and stuff. It was all good fun. I think it raised money for the schools. That, that sounds buy a new bus because it got wrecked on the track. <laughs> that sounds very cool. So go and check out um RR Racing uh, Missed Apex Motorsport on on YouTube there. Um yeah, so these publications, they they have to almost they almost have to put out a podcast now because that's the first question when anything comes out. When is your podcast gonna come out? The problem these big brands have had is that people love podcasts, but podcasts are not financially a very good idea, Matt. Certainly not a third of the reason you should leave a steady engineering job to do. That would be madness to to do that. Um, but for these publications, they are basically entering a popular passion, a passion uh, industry. Podcasting is based on passionate people producing pod, uh, producing content, Matt. When you try and scale it up onto uh, a corporate scale, it it doesn't make money. So the race. WTF1 Autosport they are spending a fortune on on these podcasts unless those journalists are on salaries and they're just stood around scratching their butts the whole time and they're looking for them looking for things for them to do you know we're talking 10 15 20 man hours that you have to pay for pay for production pay for people to be there travel there a lot of the times it is an absolute guarantee that they are losing money they would have to be earning, uh, sorry, they would have to be in the region of like 50,000 downloads before they would break even on the journalistic quality of freelancers they're bringing in to do those things. And I can tell you absolutely for a fact, and they can come and sue me if they want, none of those publications we've mentioned are anywhere near 50,000 downloads. Well, I would say most of them are doing well to be within the kind of eight to eight to 12,000 downloads sort of area. So they're losing money doing these podcasts. Because it's not really meant podcasting at the moment for those kind of corporate outfits. No, I mean, podcasting is what 
came out of a desire to hear something different on the radio. But now you could just do it yourself and your friends could listen to it. And then some people started doing some pretty good stuff. And before long, uh, some really good people started doing some really good stuff. But how many podcasts are there right now? What, for F1? Just period. Oh, I, mean, um, oh, I can tell you. I, I think it's in the order of 750,000 active podcasts. So I'm not necessarily sure about what defines an active podcast, but I'd imagine a, a podcast released in the last month because a month seems to be the, the podcast metric that people use. So Nick's podcast called Books, what are they? Uh, that would be counted as an active podcast because it's had a, a recent episode, which I believe is available now, Nick. Uh, so we put one out last week and then I recorded this morning and I'm going to edit while you edit this show. So uh-huh. we're going weekly now. Good. So search for what's it about podcast. Yeah, I got it right. I got it right. Yay. On accident. <laughs> I accidentally got it right. It was bound to happen. Uh, but Matt, like it's, it's just interesting because I don't think any of those podcasts match. Oh, it's an easy opinion. I don't think those podcasts, obviously they have good journalistic quality and good reporting of the news. As podcasts, I don't think any of those pub- pub publications put out a podcast that matches the better independent F1 podcasts because they're being paid to do it. So if it was a, uh, I don't know, if it was like, you know, Sky News, obviously the production values are brilliant. But what you're saying is, guys, we're paying you m- some money. Come here, turn up produce what is essentially an amateur broadcast style thing nick um and 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 off you go we'll give you proper money but you have to do you know it's, it's like paying ronaldinho to go right now put on a five-a-side tournament i that sounds like soccer i'm confused i don't i don't it. think i got it right either but yeah <laughs> okay i know your memory is poor but gentlemen a short view back to the past do you remember kyle powers epic epic rants in whatsapp when the f1 racing was going to have all the assists on and everything yeah or yes or just saying yes okay the sky f1 vodcast that they're calling it because it has video the production value is terrible and i'm about as mad about this as kyle was about that they don't even wear headphones so so you're right you're absolutely right so when the big boys try and enter what is essentially a hobbyist space, even if, you know, there are some good quality hobbies, hobbyists out there, uh, when they're entering the YouTube and podcast space, they're poor. But what I was referring to is their TV production. Okay, no, the podcast production is terrible. I cannot believe that Ted Kravitz will not put on headphones to record a podcast. How does he not know better without a sound engineer physically standing within six feet of him, putting the things on his head does he not know it's bush league like we are a better audio production than sky f1 vodcast but that's because they are a bunch of presenters and journalists trying to put together this thing called podcasting podcasting is its own thing you know me and matt have developed this for seven years it's its own skill it's its own set of stuff right so we've been doing that and yes we lack the journalistic credentials maybe i'm not as good as presenter as as some of the presenters they have, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not a top level guy, but we are used to podcasting. So when you look at like for F1 sake podcasting, they know how to stitch together a brilliant podcast in their style. In my opinion, that is the top two in the top two 
of F1 podcasts out there available at the moment. But when the big boys come in and do it, it's, it, it always just seems a bit wrong. But anyway, I'm going to end my ranting, Matt. That's all right. You, you're going to say that we have no journalistic credentials one more time, and I'm going to get up and go out to my room oh, and yes. come back you with all to, three of my credentials You that I went have. to a FE race once. Yes, yeah. I get it. Yes, yes, sorry. Uh, but all yeah. I'm saying so, all I'm saying is, Chris, you can tell when when you can tell when you're listening to an F1 podcast and they have to be there and they're phoning it in, especially during the lockdown. It's hilarious how um, some companies are responding to the to the need to suddenly use uh, Zoom more, uh, and I've seen some lackluster attempts, uh, and it's obviously kind of like, oh god, we have to learn how to use Zoom now, uh, and we just, we just uh, throw it together. There we go, and, uh, done. Yeah, and uh, obviously Mark's kids, Mark's kids talking about Beyond the Grid, uh, which sounds pretty professional. Go back and listen to some of the earlier ones. Actually, it took them quite a while uh, to, to get that format going. Obviously, the BBC one is done by a professional broadcast company, the same company that produces the BBC live commentary. Matt? Yeah, and, and that makes it easy for them. They're already set up to do audio broadcasting. So asking the people to comment on the race, to continue commenting and record it as a separate show isn't isn't the same kind of ask as it is for people who haven't been in that space. I just, I want to make the point that a lot of what these podcasts have and what they offer is access. We yes, can interview absolutely. the drivers, absolutely, we can talk to yeah. the team principals, yeah. but access isn't everything when it comes to putting together a podcast no, at it, all. Yeah. If you like, they can put together a really good TV show, Nick, and they can put together a really good magazine. Podcast is different, but yes, we can never compete with being able to speak to an F1 driver. Right. And I would rant about this all day, but I know we don't want to. But there is a certain point where I don't care how interesting the guest is. If they sound like a certain level of garbage, I will not listen to it. There's there's standards. Standards like having a minimum level of F1 knowledge to be on an F1 podcast, Nick. How are you feeling? How are you feeling about your F1 knowledge? Oh, well, I'm feeling really terrible. Uh, I was just thinking last week's episode with Joe and Matthew was just so amazing. And then I get to follow up that. And then on top of that, I have to answer Catman questions to just yep. further twist the knife that this guy really is nobody. You should not listen to him. I have not even tried to compete. I've not even thought about competing with last week's episode with Joe Saywood and Matthew Carter trumpets, we were never going to top that. We're not going to top that for a little while. So I just put that out of my head and went, let's press record, have some news and do a quiz. No, we won't top that till the next time we get them together. No, that's true. Okay, so the quiz is very stupid. It's a very silly thing. And Catman's quizzes are very good, uh, but it doesn't always make for the slickest and smoothest production. So if you want to duck out at this point, I completely understand. See you next week. Uh, we've got some really interesting things coming up for the next couple of weeks. We, we, not, we won't see you next week, Chris? No, you can do if you want. Okay, well, so you looked quizzical. Quizzical? I, I am quizzical. We've just spent 20 minutes harping on about our great production, and now we're going to do something that questions our production. Okay, we'll edit that bit out because that's, okay. that's good logic, and we don't want that being highlighted at all. <laughs> We don't want that highlighted. I don't, oh, dear, oh, it's dear. fine. So, so I think Spanish just said I can leave and not answer any of these questions poorly, right? Yeah, you'll go nowhere, Alexander. See, no, that doesn't work. If you had, if with, in fact, with like trumpets, you go, you can go nowhere, trumpets, and that is like last naming him. 
Your last name is also a first name, so that's dumb. That's worse than having an underscore. Two first names, Nick Alexander, no good. You're going to have to change right. Alexander. May I suggest right. Dominguez and then... Right. I mean, Stevens. Yeah, but that's Stevens. Close, yeah. It's close. It's not It's not there. Why are you, you going to drag me down with I'm you? I'm trying to plug things before we do the quiz. So people, they've all left. They've all left now anyway. Uh, however, uh, support us on Patreon. Please do that. And a thank you to the people who are supporting us. It's some 540 patrons now. If you love this show and you regularly download it uh, and you're not a patron, I really do want you to send into the ether, send out a thank you to the current patrons because they are the only reason that we're still here broadcasting. Speaking of the Patreons, uh, Michael Dieselhoff, who's in the YouTube chat, is also in the Slack and he is actually marking out the squares on the bingo (laughs) square and updating us he only needs someone to get a pony and he'll have bingo right up the middle you shouldn't have told me you've tainted the game uh, but please go and thank the patrons in the ether uh go uh or or if you want to be one of those thanked if you want to help us stay on the air the only reason uh, we can keep doing this genuinely the only reason because it's not the podcast advertising believe me podcast advertising it's a huge surprise to people when they realize how poorly podcast advertising pays i always laugh in podcast forums to say how can i get a sponsor it's like don't bother unless you've got ten thousand, unless you've got ten thousand downloads don't even worry about podcast sponsorship uh, and a lot of these big firms that that try and put out a podcast they soon realize you know it, it does not wash its own face patreon is the only thing that's kept us going patreon.com forward slash missed apex it's a micro payment uh, it's like a tip jar uh, to support us, help us keep going. And in return, ooh, in, well, it's not much of a return, but we do give you a, a special private uh, RSS feed that you can add to your podcast player. And then uh, you will get a feed that has no adverts. So you can do that. That's a, a minor perk. Uh, we also, during not lockdown times, although we'll try and do them again, do a patron only version of the podcast as well every few weeks, uh, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and this Thursday night, Matt and I and some members of the of the panel are going to host like a pub night Zoom call. So it will be me and Matt. We're going to invite the patrons to join us. Uh, people will be mostly muted until they put their virtual hand up. In Zoom, you can put a virtual hand up and you can come in there and we'll unmute you if you put your hand up and then we'll mute you again when you're done. We'll take questions. We'll chat rubbish. We'll hang out. Uh, we'll definitely have a beer or two. And that is free of charge. Uh, for our patrons, patreon.com forward slash missed apex. Uh, what else do they get, Matt? I'm sure there's something. Oh, Slack, the Slack group. I mean, that's, it's not really a perk, but I add you to a private Slack forum and we hang out there all the time and it's pretty cool fun. Uh, Mark Greenhow thinks it's the best place on the internet. So your mileage may vary, but you might be interested. So I have fun there. I, I have loads of fun in, in the Slack group and I'm, I'm in there just about every day. Not on purpose. That wasn't the aim. We just ended up going there. Uh, also we did a live or there is a quiz coming. I promise. <laughs> Sorry. This is really bad. There's a, I wanted to get all the plugs in now before people tune out. So if you're waiting for the quiz, you have to listen to this bit. Um, live audience with Joe Sayward was loads of fun. It, he paid admission. So people paid to go and be a member of his virtual audience. And I moderated that, sorted out the questions, took the questions, unmuted the people who were going to speak. If you are somebody who wants to connect with your fan base or with your customers uh, and you want to hire me or Matt to do that, uh, go to richardready.com and it will show you the services we offer there. Also, 
we can set up a stream just like this for you to talk to your audience. You don't need a green screen. We'll just do boxes with your face in it. Uh, but if you want us to help sort you that sort that out for you or improve your podcasting, uh, richardready.com. And sorry, sorry, listeners, but I, I'm trying to eat food here. Let's do a quiz. Oh, how exciting is that quiz music? Catman has set up a bunch of questions for us and he's he couldn't make it tonight, but unbelievably... He sat there in WhatsApp and recorded all the questions, including this intro. Hi, everyone. It's your Quizmaster Catman here with another fantastically accurate and well-prepared quiz. Tonight, I have three rounds for you. The first is on Formula One world champions throughout history. The second is about F1 trivia. And the third is a quick fire true or false round. There's no fancy scoring system today. It's just one point per correct answer. Are you ready? Here we go. Okay, so I'm not ready, and I'm overruling his not a fancy point scoring system. I'm going to overcomplicate it, complicate, which will definitely work. If you cannot get the answer right, uh, then everybody else can put their hands up and attempt to steal it. Everyone with their hands up can say what their guess is, and you get a point if you can steal it. Two points if you answer your question. Are you ready? All right, let's focus in. Let's go to Nick since he's the one who. Ah, no, let's not. Let's not pick on him. Chris, let's go for you first. Are you ready? Are you ready, Chris? You don't hate quizzes. You love quizzes. You're enthusiastic and you're a willing participant. No, I love writing quizzes for my clients' social media. I also, like- I didn't warn anybody that this quiz was coming. So here we go. Question one. Round one. Formula One world titles. Which driver won the first Formula One World Championship in 1950? And by the way, to help me with the editing, if you are thinking about it, don't go, um, just leave silence and I'll edit it out. Chris Stevens. It's the guy's name that I always get confused with, Giacomo Agostini. Giacomo Agostini is your guess, Nick? No, it's not. Um, That's the word. No, Giuseppe Farina. That's it. Giuseppe Farina, I, anyone going to steal? I can't tell if the right answer is right until I say it or not. But Matt and Nick, do you have a different answer? I think it's Ascari. Is that what you were going to say, Matt? No, I'm going to say it's not Giuseppe, it's Nino. Okay, let's listen to the answer. That was Giuseppe Farina driving for Alfa Romeo. Is that what Thank you said? You. Is that what you said? Yes. So that's, that's a point for you then, Chris. Nick Alexander. In fact, two points for you. Nick Alexander, here we go. Which driver was the first British Formula One world champion? Which driver was the first... Which driver was the first British Formula One world champion? It's quite hard operating WhatsApp from my phone. Mike Hawthorne? Let's have a listen. That was Mike Hawthorne in 1958 driving for Ferrari. Two points for you, Nick. Look at that. You're going to do better than me. As much as you hate quizzes... I have come last in every single Missed Apex quiz. I sympathize. I'm happy to be on the board. At all. Okay, so, ooh, there's uh oh, they, oh, yeah, they're playing along in the chat. That's cool. Okay, good. Oh, I guess you can play along at home, too. So this might not be a complete waste of time. Catman, you've done this brilliantly. Here we go. Right, uh, Trumpets, this is for you. Which tyre manufacturer oh. has supplied the most F1 world champions to date? Stitch up. That is a really challenging question. I'm going to say Cooper. Goodyear have supplied the most tyres to champions with 24 titles to their name. Right, that's it. You're not the Mr. Apex tyre expert anymore. You're the worst. That's the only thing 
well, whatever. Right, okay, my turn. I'll go. I, do you know what? I'm not going to mock anyone for this quiz because I could well end up with zero. How many father-son pairs have won the world championship? Oh, that's interesting. So first off, first off, I want to say that nothing before 1990 really counts. Um, but how many father-son pairs? So Damon Hill uh, and his dad, Graham Hill, the, Ro- the Rosbergs. And that's, see, that's the thing, right? They're the obvious two. So there's got to be one I didn't think about. So I'm going to say three. There you go. I'm going to try and game the system. Two father-son pairs of oh, one, no. the Hills and the Rosbergs. Oh, I fell for it. I fell for I, I wonder if in his head he thought I would fall for that as a trick, Nick. Well, I had the exact same thought process as you, actually. I was like, oh, there's, there's one more for yeah, there's sure. Yeah, there's got to be one I didn't know. So too clever by half. There we go. So uh, there's, there's uh, two lots of questions here. So Nick, oh, here we go. In fact, I should have... No, in fact, the stealing thing is, is rubbish, isn't it? It's not going to work. Let's see how it goes. Let's see how it goes. I'll, I reserve the right to change my mind randomly throughout it. How many different constructors did one Chris. Manuel Fangio win the championship for? This is my question. This is Chris's question. Okay. How many manufacturers did Fangio win, the, win a title with? How many different constructors did one Manuel Fangio win the championship for? There we go. I've played it again. Sorry for the occasional ding noise from WhatsApp. This is, it was a bad idea doing it for my phone, but it's the quickest. Right. I know how many you won races with, but I don't know how many, I don't know if it's the same. Go three. Three. Let's see. Uh, does anyone want to challenge? That's what we'll do. You put your hand up if you want to challenge it. Uh, Nick, four. You're oh, saying I'm four. Guess, I'm guessing four. Yeah. Oh, Five with four. I'm not sure how I feel about a guess. Chris said three. He won with four different teams. Alfa Romeo, Mercedes, Ferrari and Maserati. Wow. So we're learning things. See, uh, Nick gets uh, a point there. And now it's your question. With quizzes, though, the question I get, I go, oh, that's interesting. I'd love to know the answer to that. So I kind of enjoy finding out the answers, but I never tend to know them. Nick, here's your question. Which team sits between Ferrari and Mercedes in supplying engines to the second highest number of constructors' titles? It was Mercedes and Ferrari, wasn't it? Shall I replay that for you, Nick? No, I got it. It. I'm. Oh, I'm gonna guess Honda. Ooh, nice guess. Can I challenge? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go on. I'm gonna say Cosworth. Oh, has he stolen a point? Matt's challenging as well. Well, it's. It's. I'm tempted to say Ford just because America, but I think it might actually be Renault. If I'm being honest. Okay. Well, I'll say Ford then. That's my challenge. Here we go. The answer is Ford. <laughs> yes. Ferrari have supplied 15, Ford 13, and Mercedes 12. I totally forgot that I could also challenge and that I'm part of this quiz. Uh, so I get a point. Woohoo! I'm off. I'm off. So, Matt, you have no points at the moment. And here's your question to try and get off this, the grid off the start line. Which has won more constructors' titles, Renault or Red Bull? Oh, I nearly played the answer there. Go on. Which one is it, Matt? In fact, let me play again. Do you need me to play it again? Uh, yeah, why not? Red Bull have won... Oh, no. Did that, is that the answer? Which has won no, the no, no, constructors' no. titles, Renault or Red Bull? Yeah, I think he just lists them, so he hasn't given it away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to say Red Bull. Oh, can I, can yeah. I challenge? Oh. I, I, oh, I, with, with, with the absolute correction, we're talking about works teams and not just as engines. So I'll say, yeah, I mean, it's a 50-50, so I'll just say Renault for the hell of it. Oh, that's a good tactic. I might have to ban that the right. next time. No, I think it's it's Red Bull with Ford or Renault two. Okay, let's let's hear the answer and I'll decide on the points afterwards. Okay, 
Red Bull have won four. Renault, as a constructor, have only won two. I think that's what he was doing. I think he was trying trying a trickaroo. So, Matt, you get two points. From now on, if it's a 50-50, you can't challenge. And we'll just see how that shakes out. And the last question of this round is for me. Name a team with only one constructor's title. You can have any of the three that have done so. Name one of the... You're, you're going to challenge me already? Hang on. What's the question? Let's have the question again. Name a team with only one constructor's title you can have any of the three that have done so okay so uh, Braun was my first instinct but i don't think they won the constructors that year so a team that has only won one constructors oh this is uh this is super tricky uh i i've gone i've gone blank i am gonna have to go for now that's a stupid why was i gonna say tyrrell that would be the worst guests ever it would have to be a really top team okay uh, I will go for, I'm going to say Braun uh, and hope that I misremembered that they, I thought that they only won the drivers. So let's, let's see. Is it a challenge coming in? Oh, in fact, yeah, there's a challenge. So if Braun isn't one of them, you all think it is. I think that's what it is. So let's see. Yeah. Possible answers are Braun, Matra and BRM. Oh, okay. I wouldn't have stood a chance with either of those other two. So good. I get points. Nice. I get points there. Good. Right. Round two is F1 trivia. And so far, me and Nick are winning. Nick, we're the smartest ones. That's what that proves. That is what that proves. Okay, Chris let's move Stevens. on to round two, which is F1 trivia. Who to date has entered the most number of Grand Prix? Ooh, should we play that again? One trivia. Who to date has entered the most number of Grand Prix? I'm assuming he's going to mean driver, is he? Did Barrichello, he still has the Ooh. record. I'm going to say Barrichello. No challenges. Well, I'm going to I'm going to challenge and say Raikkonen, but I don't think he's passed it yet, but why not? Jensen Button, but I think it's Barrichello. That would be Rubens Barrichello, who's entered <laughs> oh, 326 <laughs> Grand Prix. Interestingly, this would have been passed this year by Kimi Raikkonen, who ah. was on 315. Yeah. But who knows whether that'll happen now. A oh, little bit of quizmaster humour there in the WhatsApp note. Thanks for that, uh, Catman, to remind us of the global pandemic of a deadly disease. Way to cheer us up, Catman. Right, uh, Nick, it's your question. Who contested the most number of races before their first Formula One win? No, 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 no. Right, oh, I nearly let it run on. On WhatsApp, it automatically runs on. Uh, but I, I'm going to challenge when you okay. get this wrong. Okay, uh, Takuma Sato. Before their first win. Okay, I challenge Mark Webber. Any other challenge from anyone? Most Grand Prix before their first win. No? So let's go. So you, Nick says Sato. That was Mark Webber, who won yes. on his 130th race. Cool. I think I heard that. Was that on a podcast somewhere? That's where I picked that up from. I'm actually winning this quiz. That's disgusting. Trumpets, here's a question for you. Who has won the most GP without winning the World Championship? There we go, Matt. Who's won the most Grand Prix without winning a championship? Hmm. That's a really good question, and I don't know the answer to it. Um, You'll have no. to guess. No, I, no I, I, I'm, I'm completely and, and totally happy. Dan Gurney. I'm going to go for can it. I, can I challenge? Yeah, yeah, I've got a challenge um, as well. I'll pick the one you don't pick. Yeah, because, well, it was Rosberg, but then he went and won a World Championship. Yeah. 
the meanie. So I was um, going to say Coulthard or Irvine. You can have the one. I, the, I'll have the one you don't pick. I was going to say it might be Weber again, but I can't remember if Coulthard won more races than than Weber. So I'm just going to say uh, Weber. Weber, and I will go for I will go for Coulthard. What was your answer, Matt? Um, it was Gurney. Okay, here we go. That was the late great Sir Sterling Moss with oh, no sixteen way. Formula One wins to his name. Really feels like, given the news cycle and the recent sad passing away of Sir Sterling Moss, we should have we should have got, should that. Have got we've that. all we've all done terribly there. Uh, I guess this is me. Who holds the record for the highest percentage of pole positions in one season? Who owns the record for the highest percentage of? Uh, oh, well, I'm going to go for Michael Schumacher. Oh no, it's going to be. I'm going to challenge yeah. uh, and say Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, I know. I made a mistake straight away. Go on, Nick. Oh, I was uh, going to guess Seb. Seb. Okay, but Chris got in there first. Nigel Mansell in oh. 1992 no scored 87.5% of all <laughs> pole positions that year. See, stupid F1 calendar getting longer. Yeah, well, I percentages aren't affected though, Chris. It was it's still a, the percentage is still as challenging. Um, but I knew instantly, right? It wasn't going to be Hamilton because the most dominant seasons had him and Rosberg. Where I think Rosberg probably had the overall uh, pole position win, didn't he? Probably over that that early hybrid era. Uh, so, question now for uh, so that was no points for anyone. Uh, back to Chris Stevens, I think. Who took more consecutive victories, Lewis Hamilton or Nico Rosberg? Ooh. Oh, that's good. That's good. No challenges allowed. Rosberg Rosberg had the lucky streak. You think Rosberg? I'm going to say Rosberg. The answer is Nico Rosberg, who has had a seven-race streak. Hamilton, so far, has only had a five-race winning streak. I missed that. Wow. So I I distinctly... I remember, I think that Nico's best winning streak was the end of one season into the beginning of a following season, which is why why it may have slipped from memory. Ah, so was it the four wins at the end of 2015 and then some wins at the beginning of 2016? That wow. sounds about right. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Uh, okay. Uh, well, let's see. Uh, it's now, Nick, it's your question, I think. Who has a higher percentage of race wins in their career? Ayrton Senna or Alan Prost? Ooh, that's really tough. I I am glad that I finally did get a fifty fifty question. <laughs> get it right, though. Then. I I just have to I have to flip a coin. I'm going to go with Alan. Alan Prost. Let's see. The answer is Ayrton Senna. Oh, you Senna got- had twenty five point three one percent of race victories, whereas Prost only had twenty five point two five percent. Your lucky coin let you down, Nick. Well, that just goes to show it really, I mean, we're talking about a tenth of a percent here. I know, that was actually a pretty mean question, wasn't it? Right, how could somebody possibly remember that? Matt Trumpets, uh, you are currently on two points, Matt. You're last at the moment, so here's your your chance to shine. Who has a higher percentage of race wins in their career? Lewis Hamilton or Jim Clark? Hamilton. You're going to go for Hamilton? Oh, I think I'd have disagreed, because I think Hamilton's wilderness years... Um, yeah, maybe nine, ten, especially eleven. But the seasons hurt. are so uh, the seasons are just so much longer. I mean, he's it, it, and he's been so dominant the last. Mm, yeah, the chat. Look at the oh, live chats popping up. Everyone saying agreeing. Everyone saying Clark. Yeah. So I'm I'm happy to be wrong. Right, I think as well. You have to answer the questions pretty quickly before the chat room. So I think you've got like 15 seconds before the answers start popping up. Although to be fair, they've been wildly 
varied and different. Jim Clark won 34.25% of his races, whereas Hamilton has only won 33.6%. Of- Again, really close, Catman, but two points for you. And uh, have I missed someone out in this round? Let's see, because I've got four, I've got two questions left, and I thought it was only for, for me. So what we'll do is we'll, we'll put it out to everyone. Who had more podium this finishes, Kimi Raikkonen or Fernando Alonso? Oh, Kimi Raikkonen spent a lot of time, um, oh, I don't know, as a number two, but uh, was he able to pick up the podiums? I'm going to go for Kimi. Kimi Raikkonen has scored more podium finishes with 103 compared to Alonso's 97. There we go. Now, this question, I think we've both had, we've all had two in this round so far. So this bonus question, oh no, it just carries on. Right, we've got one more question each. Cool. Uh, Chris Stevens, here we go. Michael Schumacher won eight times at which Grand Prix? Michael Schumacher won eight times at which Grand Prix? I'd make a rubbish quiz master. Well, a few, wasn't it? Oh, what was his wing winningest circuit? It's going to be something like Canada. I can only... Canada. Don't wait for the chat room. Canada. Oh, look, the answer started popping in. So that's I've been the saying answer. Canada. All right. You said I'm going to say Canada. No, I don't know what you said. He won eight times at the French Grand Prix at Mangicourt. Oh, no one likes Mangicourt. <laughs> no one challenged either. We should have all guessed. Uh, Nick, here's your question. Which two drivers won four races in their rookie season Ooh. and you have to get both of the drivers to get the point. Okay. Uh, Lewis in 08, hopefully. And I don't know, did, did Schumacher win four races at Benetton in 94? Is that is that your answer? Any challenges? I don't think there is because that, that is probably yeah. the only That's guess tough. I would have made as well. That was Lewis Hamilton and Jacques Villeneuve. Jacques Villeneuve, yeah. Is Jacques See, Villeneuve. I blocked him out of my memory. <laughs> I don't like him. But he's a fellow Canadian. Come on, how can you how can you dismiss him so quickly? Uh, I, right, I don't know. Uh, let's see. So it's Matt two rumpets because I didn't say two rumpets at the beginning of the show. I don't know if you noticed that, Matt, but I was giving the people who don't like me saying Matt two rumpets respite for one episode. The next respite will come in September. Uh, here's your question. Who holds the record for the most number of points without a race win? The most number of points without a race win? I want to say Ericsson for no particular reason. <laughs> but I know that can't be right. I've got an answer. I've got my challenge ready. I know that as most number of points throughout the whole career. Yes. Hulkenberg. I'm going to challenge Perez is my challenge. No other. So let's see who's won the most number of points without win. That's Spanner's favourite driver, Sergio Perez, with 581 points. Get in. What a go. Sadly, still no race win. Give that man, give that man a race winning car. I think I've just gone into into the lead here. This is amazing. Uh, Right. Uh, Last question for me. Who has the most number of points without winning a world championship? Uh, Was that the same question? I got confused. No, no, no. Uh, race win versus uh, ah. driver's title. Okay, let's so let's listen again. Who has the most number of points without winning a world championship? Oh, I see. The last one was most number of points. And apologies for Catman's plosives there. The most number of points without uh, an actual championship. 
let's see. I'm going to go for uh, Massa. Any challenge? Rubens. Oh, yeah. God, that's a good challenge. Go on then, I'm going to challenge and say Verstappen. Which Verstappen? Max, just because there are so many more points on offer these days. Oh, yeah. Yeah, trumpets. Uh, I don't know. I think I think you could make an argument for Weber. You could make an argument for Botas. Botas, no, no, don't be silly. Well, so you're saying no for a while, but no, I think I think Weber might be a good shot because he was at Red Bull the whole time. Cool. Valtteri Bottas has one thousand two hundred and eighty nine points, which is the most of any driver without winning a title. Hold on, he what? he gave two names. Does he get that? What do you mean? Matt said Weber or Bottas. No, but yeah, just because they were the number twos at the two big winning teams. You didn't select one. No, I'm going to take. I'm going to take the blame for that because he said it, and I went, "Don't be so stupid. It was not going to be Bottas, and it was." Okay, that really surprises me. Wow. Uh, Oh, I guess the last five, the last few years have made a much bigger impact than I've than I've realised. There, brilliant, fantastic. Well, good challenge. One point for you. We've got a true or false round left. Uh, One point. For getting it correct. Uh, oh, just going to go for false. Okay. I fine. think we've got two each. So the scores at the moment in last place is Matt. Two rumpets with five. Uh, then two in the midfield with, oh, in fact, no, Nick, you've got five points as well. Your strong start has not translated into a competitive run. I've had, I, who else had to do a, a double answer? I should get a point for getting one of the two if there's two points for giving two things. Judges ruling no. Judges have said no. Unlucky. Could have gone either way. Uh, Chris has got six and I have got, God, math is hard, seven. So it's really close. Five, six and seven. All to play for. Um, Matt? Is now when I should bring up the fact that you've had the answer sitting on your phone all week? But you can ask Catman because when you play them in WhatsApp, the little symbol goes blue uh, on the microphone, so he can see that I haven't that I haven't looked at the. They read receipt exactly, so uh, he'll see the blue ticks, but no blue dot on the play, on the play thing. But it it is fair to accuse me of cheating because I was incredibly tempted the whole time. So true or false, uh, Chris? Okay, final round. True or false? There was an engine manufacturer in Formula One called Climax. <laughs> no way. <laughs> true or false, Chris? I want it to be true really bad. So, uh, yeah, true. This is true. No they way. won four titles with Cooper and Lotus. Nice. Nick numbers Alexander. There was a tyre manufacturer called Engelbert. Yes. That's, it's not yes or no, it's true or false. True. True. A. That's also true. They won two world championships in 1956 and 1958. Nice. Who knew? Nick Alexander, that's who. Well, 1958 was Mike Hawthorne, which gets us back to the very first question. That's, that's true. I think, uh, chat room, they're, I guess they're seeing it in real time. I don't know if it's confusing or not, but I guess if you put which question it is, then, it's easier for, for people to follow. Um, I'm glad you're playing along in the chat as well, actually. I've really enjoyed this. Hats off to Catman for doing this. And he says we can have one of these quizzes whenever whenever we want. Um, the time has run over terribly, and I'm not editing any of this out. Uh, and I've lost track of which button I need to press next. It is trumpets. And Eddie Irvine started from pole position. I'll have to go from the beginning there. Mark that up. I'm not. 
Irishman Eddie Irvine started from pole position more times than David Coulthard. Ooh, true or false, Matt? Well, I don't actually know, but given the fact the first two were true, I'm just going to say false. I would have gone true because when he was briefly the number one driver when Schumacher broke his leg. That's false. Despite nearly taking the championship for Ferrari, Eddie Irvine never actually qualified on pole (laughs) position in his whole career. (laughs) Oh my God. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, Right. Uh, Me. Martin Brundle has completed the most number of races without ever leading a single lap. That is... So that's uh, question four. Martin Brundle has... Hang on, hang on, let's listen again. Martin Brundle has completed the most number of races without ever leading a single lap. I can't believe... It's got to be false. I cannot believe he's not led a single lap of a Grand Prix. No way. Believe it or not, that is true. Whoa! That's interesting. That half of this is just learning interesting things, although I think I have lost the lead, so that's that's not As quite... Daddy pulled into the lead. <laughs> wow, please, please don't do that. You're in the joint lead... Uh, with seven points, uh, Nick is on six. But, Matt is on. I six. thought I was supposed to get two points. Or no, we it's what, well, I don't know. I mean, thankfully, I did say a point for each question before the start of this round, but it's okay. You have to learn to listen. To quote <laughs> Chandler, I think, or Joey, or one of those. Here's your question, Alexander Chris. What, Chris? Here's your question. Are you ready? Oh, oh yeah. Sorry, yeah. <laughs> Alexander Wurtz made only one. Ra- I accidentally hit pause again. Alexander Wurtz. Alexander Wurtz made only one race appearance for McLaren and he finished on the podium. One race for McLaren and finished on the podium. Is it? Is it not a friend's quote? Oh no, God. where's it from? You have to no, listen. No, it's not a friend's quote. I was Where trying was to tell from? you that. Where was it from? Um, maybe Family Guy or something. No, Stop is it? distracting um, me. No, it's the animal thing question. with Jim Carrey. The animal thing with Jim Carrey. That's what it was from. Where he's like there. Ace Ventura. What was the quote? You have to learn to listen. Oh, okay. Can I can I answer my question yes, sorry. before I change my mind again? Yeah, go on. What is it, true or false? I'm going to say true because there are loads of like oddball McLaren podiums. I'm sure it was Rachel from Friends. Never mind. That's true. Oh, get he in. entered the 2005 San Marino Grand Prix. He finished fourth on the road, but the BAR ahead was disqualified, so he ended up in P3. Well, Chris, you've gone on to eight points, Nick. You cannot catch Chris, uh, but this is for, for honour of not finishing last. Nicky Lauda won the world title in 1984, despite not starting on pole position at all that year. These are still true or false, I take it? Yes. Uh, well, Matt could get this next one wrong and me, so I could still be tied for last, I think. Um, I think that it's... True. I mean, I have no memory of the 1984 season. This was five years before I was born. It's almost like this is trivia or something. Yeah, it's trivia. To me, it's just hearing interesting things and then not remembering if those interesting things were true or false when I later recount them to friends or say them on podcasts. Yeah. Welcome to this week's episode of Facts Via Embarrassment, hosted by Catman. Woohoo! That's true. Which one did you say? True or false? You said true. I said the only I said other true. driver to do yep. this was Denny Holm in 1967. Wow, this is hotting up now. So Nick finishes on seven. Chris is on eight. I'm on. I'm on seven also, but with one to play. Matt, you are on six. So to avoid being last, true or false? No driver who has won a world title with Williams has ever done so again. 
either with Williams or any other team. That would mean no one has won two championships with Williams. Well, that that part of it is easy because um, they had a habit of of uh, axing their championship drivers the True. following season. But whether or not one of those drivers then went on to win another championship is a whole nother, well, shall we say, kettle of fish, as it were. And I'm going to say that is oh true. Absolutely, I, I true. would have agreed as well. That sadly is true. Most champions for Williams either retired the following season, like Alan Prost or Nigel Mansell, or they moved on to other, usually less competitive teams, like Damon Hill did. To Arrows. I remember watching that season. I remember watching that season uh, and the hung- the Hungary Grand Prix. What happened in that the Hungarian Grand Prix? He was running second, wasn't he, for a while, and then he had some kind of fault. And I'd been waiting all season. Damon Hill, he was my hero. I loved him after he won that world championship. And then it was devastated he moved to Arrows. And then I remember waiting for my GCSE results, uh, watching that Hungarian Grand Prix on a little tiny, uh, like a little like 15-inch TV, watching him charge up the field. I was so happy. I was so happy um, until he had some kind of failure. What, what, what was the failure? Someone tell me in the chat room. Well, he was first, is uh, what Archie was saying. Yeah, heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Uh, there we go. So, Chris, you're on eight points. I, if I get this wrong, Chris, you've won. And the thing is, it's a silly it's the pressure. quiz in during lockdown. I know that this means a lot to you. I know that it would make you really happy to win this quiz. Right. And I, I want to take that away from you. You're I, I, saying that. I don't care. I oh, want it. The pressure's getting to you. Don't pretend you don't care. I'm not I having that care. for a second. It I'm w- too cool to care about anything. The win would make you happy. And I want to take that happiness away from you because I, that would make me happy to make you sad. So I here we go. I think the pressure's getting to you, mate. No pressure. I was going to come last. Instead, Matt and Nick are the losers. Michael Schumacher finished on the podium in every race in 2002. Oh, 2002. 2002 to 2005 were my kind of lost F1 years. I still watched every race, but nothing got retained in the head. I was having a a very, very good time. I would say that those are the best few years in the history of the world, Nick. It's a lot of dawdling here. No, no, sorry. I'm not not, not looking at the chat. I I have a guess after you actually Uh, say your answer. I've forgotten the question. Uh, He was on the podium every single... Yeah, super. Yes, true. I'm going to go for true. What, What would your answer have been, Nick? I I think he missed one because he like got a race ban. Oh no, <laughs> is that what it is? Oh, don't. That's true. Remarkably, he finished all true. seventeen yes. races on the podium. So nice. did we take a tiebreaker now? Uh, well, there is no tiebreaker questions unless anyone uh, in the chat can think of a can think of a question. What? No way. Okay, Which? I got. I, I'll just random first one to to get it wins. Okay, go, okay, go. Okay. Super super straightforward of the two of you. Okay, who right. won the World Drivers Championship in the year of nineteen seventy two? I know nothing about the seventies except for Rush. So I'm going to go for an Italian Reg Rigazzoni Regatoni, or is that a pasta? Ah, uh, Fittipaldi. Yeah, I'm never going to get that. That was a stupid question. You know I wouldn't get that. Fine. It was Fittipaldi. <laughs> the winner of the first Catman Apocalypse Quiz is Chris Stevens. Well done, Chris. Congratulations. All the applause, applause and all the girls and boys want to kiss you. You are the winner. Well done. To be, uh, to be fair, there's 
certain amount of pressure on me to do well in these quizzes in there. It's kind of part of my job to mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Maybe, maybe not like this. <laughs> But I have to know about motorsport. Tell me in the chat room, how many points did you get? I don't know. I don't know if you played along. I don't know how you marked yourself. Uh, but here's a final message from our quiz master. Thanks, everybody. I hope you enjoyed another one of my quizzes. If you have any suggestions as to topics either I can quiz the panel on next time, then just find me on Twitter at CatmanF1. Also, look out for my dulcet tones as part of the commentary team for the exciting Mr. Apex iRacing Championship. I'll see you again soon for another MAP quiz. What a shameless plug at the end there. Oh, thanks, Catman. That was really good. Hey, uh, to be honest, that was a lot of fun, considering that there's like no F1 races or no F1 content. I really appreciate that. So thank you, Catman. I hope you guys appreciate it too. Basically, if we get enough love from it, if if you guys get in touch, uh, at Spanners Ready, you can email me, uh, at Mr. Apex F1 on Twitter, Richard Ready on Facebook. We have a Facebook group uh, as well. Uh, you, if you just just tell us that you enjoyed the quiz and we will do more. If you think it was a stupid waste of time, uh, then we're probably going to do it anyway, but it would be nice to get your feedback. But what we will always do is we will put it at the end of the show. So we'll do the show and then we'll go, okay, that was the bit that you came for. Now, if you want a ridiculous quiz, you can hang around till the end. I don't know, Matt, I, I would do another one. I would do another one. Always happy to embarrass myself uh, for other people's entertainment. Yeah, I mean, the iRacing normally proved that. Damn, I can't make that joke because you're ahead of me in the championship. This is- uh, it's sad, but true. Oh, come on. Come on, next race. Come on, next race. You can do it. You can catch up with us because we are all producing content during the off-season. Thank you very much for still tuning into the stuff we're doing. Nick Alexander with What's It About podcast, um, which where he they review books, basically, and they've got like a top author on or something. It's good. If you like books and you like Miss Apex, you're going to like Nick Alexander on a book podcast. So just listen to that. Me and Matt are churning out the Remain Indoors podcasts, very much talk radio-y style stuff. Um, oh, and David and Rachel have put £5 in the Super Chat. Yeah, I forgot you can do that. Yeah, if you want to treat that as a tip jar, that's amazing. Uh, we have a real tip jar on our uh, website, mistapexpodcast.com. Under the link to sign up to Patreon, there is also a tip jar, and people have been using that, for which we're very grateful. If you would buy us a pint consider chucking a tenner in the tip jar. We would be very, very grateful. Um, but Matt and I talk radio star stuff on Remain Indoors podcast. Every, I'm just going to stick with it, Nick. Every Tuesday, 2 p.m., Monday, 2 p.m., and Thursday, 2 p.m., you can join us live or add Remain Indoors to your podcatcher of choice. Uh, Matt and I took callers last week, live callers, and we went through the origin story of how we started podcasting together, which is a question we get a lot. Well, actually, caller John Pollard specifically asked how you met me as well, and you ignored that part of the question. We found Nick Alexander in a bush at a service station uh, just outside Dulwich. He was just a baby, but he still had a full-grown beard, and he was just crying, Four, three, please set me equations. So we did. We cradled him in the shed and asked him maths questions, and he is now the man you see before you today. It's true. I was born with a full head of beard. That's what happens. At Nick Alexander F1, Chris is at Chris on racing. He's not producing any content because he's young and sleeps a lot. Is the I assume is the reason. Oh no, you're working. You're still it's like full I'm on working. Yeah, yeah, you're still full on working. Well, there we go. Keep joining us on Sundays, please. We're having fun. I hope you're having fun as well. Stay safe. It's getting tough now. It is. It's getting proper tough. I know it is, but it's okay. 
Okay, so it's okay to be uncomfortable right now. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to find it hard. And everyone is feeling that as well. But I do believe in you. Okay, so stay safe because wounds heal. Chicks dig scars and glory lasts forever. Remain indoors. This was Missed Apex. You know what doesn't last forever? Uh, candy canes. You Love. remember in conversation? Oh no! Oh come on! Is that on the bingo square as well? Like, do I never get a veto? Do I never just get to go? No, I'm deliberately not doing comment of the week now. Oh my god! Hour and 49 minutes. What's going on? All right. Okay. F- Matt. You were in charge of this bus. <laughs> you were steering the thing. Don't don't come whining at us about how long it took to get done. Just, just tell him no and end the show. Okay. I'm going to end the show and play the final bumper. Oh, it was comment of the week. Okay. <laughs> Short and sharp. Save us some pain. Come on. All right, Brad Newmeyer, Dave and Rachel, thanks for the contributions in the tip jar on YouTube. Shout outs at the top. Clayton Lewis, PTRVDW for tuning in for the first time and finding us entertaining, informative, lively as well. Tell everyone. Uh, Michael Diestelhoff, first up, I'm having trouble with my bingo square. I can't seem to fill the spanners is right column. Sorry, but no one complimented my appearance, so I had to go with someone dinging you. Mr. Diestelhoff, how dare you? Uh, Alex Graham, Chris needs to change his backdrop to Australia. He's nearly dug his way there already with his unfortunate turn of comments about the quality of our show. And the fact that he said there's only two decent publications and missed off like all of them. I'm telling Medland you didn't include. I didn't include, say uh, there was only two. And said, I said racer. No, you didn't. End. In the end, eventually, but Medland was initially, you're basically saying Medland and Saunders can't produce good content. And that's on the record now. I never said that. Well, I love this. You implied stuff. it. No, we do too we do too uh go on matt uh barry heron is in with the race has good journalist and gary anderson now i make no particular oh, claims as no, to gary anderson's no, no, quality no, no, but no, that no, was just no. funny okay well yeah i get the comedy but no we won't have that mr anderson is a, a stalwart of reporting and communication in f1 and finally for no reason that i can adequately explain clappers is in with we're going to make saturday great again we're going to have the best qualifying tires absolutely amazing tires you wouldn't believe i've already designed them you should be thanking me don't don't trigger me because if you look on my twitter feed whenever i get really really mad about politics i tweet about cats or pot noodles or or some such thing like that fine then alex graham it is chris needs to change his backdrop to australia he's nearly dug his way there already comment of the week chris will never get hired by any of those publications you're stuck in missed apex forever chris you're gonna be a panelist on Missed Apex for a thousand years because no one else will have you. 4,000 episodes left of Missed Apex with Chris Stevens. A lifetime of mediocrity. <laughs> a lifetime of mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why are you slagging us off so much, Chris? We're okay. I mean, we're probably the best shed production of an F1 I'm, podcast you, out you, there. You're, you're right. You're right. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com.